Today on the Energy Podcast, what are the most pressing questions for Latin America when it comes to energy? What solutions could there be to make this trade or the development of Latin American economy more sustainable? Is Latin America prepared for this energy transition? We invited industry leaders, policymakers and students to chew over these issues and others in a live show you may have missed. Hello and welcome to the Great Energy Debate. Latin America is a patchwork of policies when it comes to energy. On one hand, Venezuela, Mexico and Argentina are still big producers of oil and gas. On the other, Costa Rica is proposing a ban on oil and gas production and Brazil already runs largely on biofuels and hydro. In fact, Brazil's president, Jair Bolsonaro, told the UN last month he believes they're leading the way in clean energy production. Brazil today is already an example in energy generation. 83% of our energy comes from renewable sources. At the upcoming COP26 conference, we will pursue consensus on rules governing a global carbon credit market. And we do hope industrialized countries will actually fulfill their commitments to climate funding at substantial amounts. 20 of the 33 countries in Latin America and the Caribbean have submitted climate-related targets ahead of that crucial COP26 climate summit in November. But will they be enough to reach net zero emissions by 2050? Giving us their expertise, Jimena Marvin Santin, Executive Director of Chapter Zero in Mexico, an organisation which gets climate change discussions front and centre of the business boardroom. The oil and gas sector has the moral obligation to power economic recovery, not only through oil and gas production, but mainly through facilitating the transition to a net zero economy towards 2050. Tiago Barral, Executive President at the Brazilian Energy Research Office. The more we move towards renewable energy, by definition, we'll be more subject to climate risks. Andrea Hines is the chair of the Argentine Committee at the World Energy Council. Of course, there is a trade-off between energy supply, uh, energy access and emissions, and it's not easy. There is not a unique solution. And Martin Wetzler, Shell's Gas Renewables and Energy Solutions Director. If you let energy supply, oil and gas supply, run low while the demand is still there, you get very high prices as we get today in gas. And that disproportionately affects the poor people in the, uh, in the world and you get energy poverty. The debate is hosted by technology presenter Georgie Barrett. Hello and welcome to the Great Energy Debate. To get to know our panellists a little bit more, we're going to be kicking off with a warm-up round of pretty challenging questions. Now, panellists, you only have 60 seconds to answer this question, so I really want you to keep your answer concise. Uh, so, Martin, let's start with you, who's, of course, joining us from the Netherlands. Shell's strategy says you'll aim to become net zero by 2050, yet Shell has committed to new fossil fuel projects around the world, particularly in Latin America. Why does Shell continue to explore for oil and gas if it is as serious about achieving net zero emissions as it claims? Well, Georgie, it's clearly urgent that we invest in the energy transition. 
And that's why indeed we invest significant amounts of money in wind, solar, biofuels, uh, hydrogen, electricity storage, uh, and we're building up the business fast because our customers want to transition to net zero. They're looking for net zero solutions. But it's end-end. We need to help them transition, but we also need to supply to them the energy that they need today. And many of our customers cannot yet buy an electric vehicle. And there are not many trucks that can run on hydrogen or planes that can run on biofuels. And so to keep the world going today and supply our customers with the energy they need today, we also need to continue to develop oil and gas um, to keep the world uh, going. If you don't, if you let energy supply, oil and gas supply, run low while the demand is still there, you get very high prices as we get today in gas. And that disproportionately affects the poor people on the, uh, in the world. And you get energy poverty and you get all kinds of unwanted social effects. I'd love to bring um, Jimena into the conversation who joins us from Mexico. Um, Jimena, let's get straight to the point. Is there a role for oil and gas on the path to net zero emissions in Latin America, would you say? Georgie, after a year and a half of extraordinary health and economic challenges, the local and the global oil and gas industry has a key role in the economic recovery of Latin America and the Caribbean. But this time, such roles should be played in a very different way, Georgie. The oil and gas sector has the moral obligation to power economic recovery, not only through oil and gas production, but mainly through facilitating the transition to a net zero economy towards 2050. Evidence reveals that this transition is possible in America Latina and the Caribbean, mainly through the production of electricity without carbon emissions. Thank you. Okay, let's move on um, to Tiago. You obviously join us from Brazil, and Brazil has been in headlines over the past year. You know, the deforestation rates are rising at the highest levels in the last 11 years, and the country is also experiencing a hydro crisis. Is Brazil building an energy system resilient to climate impacts, would you say? Well, to start with, uh, uh, deforestation is for sure a concern because of its impact not, on, not only on global warming, but also because of the impacts on regional rain patterns. So fighting deforestation is, of course, the most urgent action. Now, the more we move towards renewable energy, by definition, we'll be more subject to climate risks. In fact, Brazil, um, uh, combining you know, various sources of renewable energy in its energy mix, has climate resilience as a critical component of energy security and affordability. We have many tools to address uh, uh, those risks and, and be more resilient. Uh, just to mention some, we need transmission grids to optimize uh, the use of renewable resources in the power system. We need to ensure geographical and resource diversification across the country and the region. We need distributed resources, uh, such as distributed, distributed generation, biogas production from different, uh, for different end uses. We need natural gas and nuclear for increased security regarding climate risks. And uh, more than that, we need reforestation and ecological recovery Let's travel south to Argentina. Welcome, Andrea. Will Argentina still remain heavily reliant on unconventional hydrocarbons as the main source of energy? Okay, in the case of Argentina, and you know that uh, we are working on oil and gas. Personally, I think that gas has 
a role, a special role in the energy transition towards the decarbonization because it's a transition fuel and as transition fuel it can help the decarbonization of the of the rest of the world not only argentina's energy matrix because it's cleaner than than coal and it can help to for the fuel switcher okay our next question was actually sent in by santiago from argentina hello my name is santiago lencinas bukewicz and I'm a senior student of petroleum engineering at the Technological Institute of Buenos Aires, Argentina. I want to hear your opinion about the remaining capital-intensive projects that need to be done in the oil and gas industry, like the full development of Paca Muerta. Thank you very much, Santiago. Now, Andrea, as this is coming from Argentina, let's come to you. Argentina is moving on develop uh, the, the oil and gas industry. We'll have a, a, a huge oil and gas industry. And we also we have a strong commitments regarding uh, emissions. A few months ago, we presented a, a revised um, NDC to the UNFCC, and it it um, it NDC includes a, um, an, a development and a, co a commitment to maintain by 2030 the same emissions level that we have, or almost the same that we have now. And the, I think that the the challenge is to to develop to to develop the con the economy to develop the the, the social uh, we, we have to recover after the pandemic and the, the companies are working on being more efficient in terms of uh, re reducing their emissions at the same time that they are increasing the their supply of energy. Of course, there is a trade-off between energy supply, uh, energy access and emissions, and it's not easy. There is not a unique solution. There is not a, a single answer. Thank you very much, Andrea. And um, Jaimena, you know, can I come to you as a sort of follow-up question? Um, do you think nationally determined contributions play a role in all this? You know, is it realistic to believe that Mexico and other countries facing huge energy challenges meet the goals of the Paris Agreement? That, that's a very relevant question, actually. And I think for what we've been seeing in, in, in the last years, that actually countries are looking in, in a different ways to tackle these big, big questions. And, and what we've seen is that although the countries, at least in the case of Mexico, has been pretty aggressive in the la latest years, we, we didn't really meet the bar with our uh, re renewed commitments, with our new NDCs. These new NDCs didn't really change for a much more uh, larger ambition. And, and let's say uh, our unconditional mitigation targets, when they were revised, they stayed the same. A reduction of 22% uh, of greenhouse emissions and a 51% of black carbon emissions, which represent almost 25% of the deviation of our business line, business as usual scenario. And these type of uh, mitigation targets is, is not really considered an ambition, ambitious goal, not at least for a country the size as Mexico. Uh, nevertheless, the adaptation component of these uh, revisited uh, NDCs is a, a, a robust component 
that really shows that the country has done its homework in understanding our vulnerabilities in terms of uh, climate change. But adaptation, even if it's taking a huge role right now. How do you see the electricity grid regional interconnection playing a role on decarbonizing the LATAM energy mix? I think the, the, the electric grid is one of the key elements to really move forward a, a, a true transition. And it will be really important for governments to put their provisions and to put their legal and regulatory frameworks to work in a way that we can really ramp up electric infrastructure so we can really take advantage of all these natural resources that we have in, in, in renewables. We really need to think about how to switch our own strategies and within that landscape, think about regional integration. Okay, so regional integration is really key. Tiago, have you got anything that you'd like to add to that? Yeah, I, I can say that Brazil is the proof that uh, integration of power systems on a you know continental scale is is really 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 beneficial. We have a, a system a, a transmission grid that covers most of the territory in Brazil. And that is the key that has allowed us to really bring accelerated wind and solar capacity into the grid, balancing the system with flexibility from hydropower from various regions. So that brings a lot of resilience to the system, but also helps us really balance the system. So resilience and flexibility is one of the key benefits, but you've obviously got to get around those political hurdles. Thank you very much, Tiago. OK, our next question was sent in by Nuno in Brazil. Hi, my name is Nuno. I'm from Unicamp University. I'm studying control and automation engineering, and I'm from Brazil. I hope to see in this debate the importance of newer generation and students in the path to net zero in Latin America. My question is, given that most Latin American countries are economically dependent on the exportation of commodities, which have a big carbon footprint, what solutions could there be to make this trade or the development of Latin American economy more sustainable. Um, Andrea, let's come to you for this one. Uh, yes, of course, it's it's a challenge because we, we are in a region that is underdeveloping and we need to continue with developing our economies. But I think that we, we also have a, a lot of tools and available to, to reduce the footprint of our, our economies, our exports. And we need to to improve and to increase the the, the, the manufacturing uh, procedures and measures to to be sure that the, the the footprint of our products that as a region we export to the to the rest of the world uh, can the footprint can be, be can be lower. Absolutely. Um, and, and Jimena, you know, I know you sort of work alongside businesses, you know, are they, are they, is this a conversation that we need to be having with them? 
Absolutely, Georgie. I think that in order to move forward and to lower this uh, carbon footprint of, uh, of the industries, we need to be very clear that to do so, one of our main uh, drivers will be the electrification of uh, our energy resources. And uh, and we, we need to bring in, to, to let the governments all around the region know that we need to shift from fossil fuels to renewables. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Martin, have you got anything else that you'd like to add to that? Yeah, thanks. Well, I would say clearly uh, Latin America um, on aggregate exports a lot of traditional commodities today. Um, but I think the continent has a real opportunity to become the uh, exporter of the commodities of tomorrow. Why would Latin America not be a big exporter of second-generation biofuels, waste-based biofuels? Brazil is already the biggest biofuel producer in the world and has significant scope to, um, to increase, particularly its second-generation biofuels production. The same on hydrogen. There's a lot of sun in, the, um, in Latin America, so you can actually use that solar energy to make green hydrogen and export it to parts of the world, like Japan, but also Europe, that will not have as, as much opportunity to produce it. For blue hydrogen, you need natural gas, plus opportunities to store the CO2 back under the ground, and you can make blue hydrogen and export that. So I think Latin America has an enormous opportunity to become an exporter of clean energy. And that will come at a real premium. So my sense is there's a large economic opportunity there. And for the continent, it's an opportunity to move to be a first mover. It is, of course, also true if it cleans its own electricity mix and it starts to manufacture products that are net zero, then these products will also attract a premium in the world, in the world market. So I think there's a lot of economic opportunity there if uh, investors on the continent, including ourselves, are willing to move fast. And we are indeed investing in solar on the continent, looking for five gigawatts. We're investing in biofuels, and, um, but many more will need to be done by us than by others. Okay, um, let's move on to our next question, which was actually sent in by Del Piero Flores in Peru. Hi, everyone. My name is Del Piero Flores. I'm studying mechatronics engineering aerotech in Peru. Is Latin America prepared for this energy transition? And if so, how long will it take? And what are currently the most promising energy sources in our region? Thank you. Again, I think that there is not a unique solution. There is not a unique energy sources. We, we should think that we, we should de develop a mix of clean energy, renewables, so solar, wind, but also hydrogen. The answer is all of them. Tiago, I saw that your hand up and then I'll, I'll come to you, Jimena. Okay, so yeah, I, I fully agree uh, that there is no silver bullet, but I think we have to think of two different uh, very important ways. Electrification of end users that today rely on fossil fuels and of course have a clean electricity system to back up that uh, strategy. And for that, wind and solar will be leading technologies uh, around the world and also in Latin America and the Caribbean, uh, of course, uh, not relying on other, other uh, resources. They, they also have a place. And the second way we have to, to do is to develop clean fuels. Uh, and that includes hydrogen uh, from clean uh, sources such as, you know, um, blue or green hydrogen and other uh, sustainable fuels such as advanced biofuels, for example. So 
basically electrification and clean electricity with wind and solar as, as main technologies and new fuels that uh, we have to develop, including advanced biofuels and hydrogen. Great, thank you very much. And uh, Jimena, what, what can you briefly add to that? Really, all the technologies needed to achieve the necessary deep cuts um, in global emissions by 2030 are all, already exist and are available in the market. And the policies that can drive their um, uh, deployment are already proven in Latin America, and Mexico is, is one of the cases. And these technologies are mainly renewables in, in, in the way uh, Tiago was saying, solar and wind mainly. And the future uh, technologies that we need to be working on, like hydrogen, will let us get to 2050 uh, 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 with a net zero uh, economy. But at least for 2030, and it's really important that we we uh, all understand, uh, and especially the young people understand, that for 2030, we have the technology in place. And I think um, uh, citizens and uh, uh, private investment and, and private companies can really help the governments move forward. Yeah, so the technology is there. We as customers need to be demanding that they're using these renewable resources. Martin, I do also actually just want to get your quick response to this. Um, you, know, you know, what are the most promising energy resources in this region, do you think? We can't pick and choose anymore. We will need to uh, move across a very broad front of solutions very, very quickly to make a difference before 2030, um, because otherwise it may well be too late. So I agree with the urgency expressed uh, by Jimena uh, there, and that is indeed something that as citizens, but also as private companies, we should act on and demand from others, but also demand from ourselves. Let me move on to the next question. What is the future of LNG or natural gas more broadly? Martin, how would you answer that very quickly? LNG is a, is a very important transition fuel to help take coal out of the global energy system and then to transition to a net zero uh, fuel by storing the carbon back under the ground and blending increasingly biogas into it. So LNG will be here to stay and will be an important solution for all of us. Okay, important solution to all of us. Um, Jimena, how would you answer that? When it comes to natural gas, it's always very debatable if it's some part of, the, of, of citizens, we think that it, it, we shouldn't rely on, on, on gas, natural gas, as a, as a fossil fuel of, um, of transition. But we know that fossil fuels will be facing off and our best bet is on, on natural gas to do so rather than oil. But anyway, what we should be thinking of is really reducing our fossil fuel demand. That does bring us to the end of our debate. I just want to say a really big thank you to our panellists, Martin, Jimena, Tiago and Andrea. We honestly really appreciate you guys taking the time and giving your expert opinion. Also, thank you so much to you guys at home for taking part in the great energy debate. You know, your questions and comments have really helped shape the discussion today. And we don't want it to stop. You know, let's please keep this conversation going. You can use the hashtag energy debate. And if you do want to hear more about all things related to the future of energy, do make sure you tune into the energy podcast. On that note, thank you so much for watching. I'm Georgie Barrett. Stay safe and goodbye. You've been listening to the Energy Podcast brought to you by Shell. You can find the Energy Podcast on all major providers. Follow or subscribe for free so that you don't miss an episode. The Energy Podcast was produced by Fresh Air Production. And I must remind you that the views you've heard today 
are those of the people featured and not Shell or its affiliates. Thank you for listening and goodbye. Goodbye.